0: Hollywood hoop dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The
1: Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available
0: everywhere Pods are found, and you can follow the show on Twitter, at HoopBallLakers.
1: The following is a HoopBall presentation. Guys, welcome back. It's
2: all about Bank. Back with another installment of the Pelican Scoop at Hoopball Pels on Twitter, at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter. A Hoop ball presentation as always. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Jake Madison. We had a chat over Zoom last week and we're talking all things NBA resumption and what we can expect from the Pels. I'm so excited for this one. Guys, I've left it pretty much unedited. Go and have a listen, uh, like and subscribe as always, and uh, yeah, here it is. How you going, Jake?
0: I'm doing well, thanks for having me on. Always excited to talk some basketball.
2: Yeah, well, we've got to try to fill the, uh, the time in somehow, I think, and uh, yeah, why don't we talk about the resumption? Well, fingers crossed we get there, but um, yeah, at, at the moment, we look like are about the four-week mark from us getting some actual basketball back.
0: Yeah, you know, they've got to get there in the first place. And I, I've been pretty uh, pro-NBA restart and pretty pro-bubble on what they're doing. and think it might actually be safer than, you know, these players back in their home markets to an extent. Look at like a guy like Nikola Jokic going to a club in Serbia and, you know, most likely getting coronavirus there. But the Pelicans had three positive COVID-19 tests the other day. That's a little bit concerning, certainly. You're seeing this kind of crop up around the league, and it makes me doubt it just a little bit. I think if they can get there, everything will be okay, though, hopefully.
2: I mean, given the responses now and, and we're getting the tests back and they've started a bit earlier out, hopefully that people just say, well, all right, well, I'm going to the bubble in, in a month. If I can have my two weeks isolation, I'll be fit and healthy and then, and then get in there and we can avoid some outbreak in the actual bubble. I think that would be the... The, the nightmare scenario, I think, if that happens.
0: Um, yeah, and you're difficult. seeing it with, like, the MLS right now, which is a little terrifying, and that gives me some pause, but I don't know. I think this is, like, so far removed from actual reality and what, you know, any, any of us are experiencing, which is a good thing. I'm glad it's not, like, you know, us on, like, a daily basis here. So we'll see. If they can get in, I think it'll be okay, hopefully.
2: Yeah, touch wood, and, um you know... Jumping over to the Pels, we had the three positive tests that have been announced. Um, hopefully those guys are all fit and healthy by the time we get into it. Uh, jumping back before the, the end of the hiatus, we were on a bit of a streak, uh, looking like we are making a push. Drew Holiday dropped a 39 or something on the Timberwolves just before we finished. Um, yeah. What, what did you make of the, uh, the momentum heading into into this all of a sudden hiatus?
0: Yeah, you know, look, they they were playing the best basketball of the season, and it coincided with the team getting healthy. It coincided with Zion's return and him really kind of stepping into the spotlight as a primetime player. The ascendance of Brandon Ingram really occurred over – maybe the second half before the all-star break, everything kind of in the lead up to that. And it was just kind of like everything coming together for New Orleans. Even a guy like Josh Hart and his media availability yesterday said, um, or whenever people are listening to this last week, depending on what it was, uh, that he thought this team is the equivalent of a fourth or fifth seed in the Western Conference and not just fighting for the eighth. That's how much talent they had there. And you saw it on full display. They were playing that Alvin Gentry style of basketball getting out, running in transition after getting stops, getting a defensive board and going. And all of these players really started playing the best basketball we've seen them. We've seen Brandon Ingram kind of ascend to being the go-to guy on the team. Zion is the rookie phenom that he is. He's 19 years old, and he's on the cover of NBA 2K after 19 games. It's never happened before. It's wild to think about. You had Lonzo Ball really playing the best basketball of his career, too, Is as that uh, point guard in transition, making the right read, making those 94-foot passes, essentially, to Zion, which was really exciting, and just kind of everything coming together, and it coincided also with the easiest stretch of schedule that they were going to have, these final 18 games when the season was suspended, basically the easiest in the league. There were not very many playoff teams or teams above 500 over that stretch. So New Orleans, though they were three and a half games back of Memphis, really thought that they were in the driver's seat for the eighth spot. So it was disappointing that this happened when it did and that now it's only going to be eight games instead of 18 to make up that ground. But they're still going to be in contention. And there's still a lot of people putting the Pelicans into the playoffs despite only having now eight games left.
2: Yeah, and having a look at the schedules, I mean, there's been all this conjecture about, oh, Pelicans have a very easy schedule. And Memphis have quite a hard schedule. And I think that rings true pre, um, I suppose, hiatus. But now, it's a big question mark. We don't know what we're going to be dealt when we get in there. You know, (laughs) it's a complete question mark.
0: It's And a lot of the Pelicans have been talking about that this past week. It's, it's going to be weird, right? Like, we don't know what we're going to see. There's going to be some bad basketball played out there. You know, players are sitting out, so it kind of messes with the, the idea of the team that these franchises have built going into this already. Some teams are getting healthier. Memphis probably benefits from this, despite their tough schedule. They're getting get a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. back, like Brandon Clark back. Two pretty key guys for him that were hurt going into this when they were going to hit the toughest part of their schedule. So maybe they'll win a couple of games or they won't lose as many as they would have otherwise. And I think that's a pretty big thing for them. Um, But the Pelicans have talked about the mental aspect, and that's where they think you can get a competitive advantage in all of this. Josh Hart said the restart is going to be 10% physical, 90% mental. David Griffin said that they're going to be building in mental preparedness mindfulness sessions into their daily practice routine they're going to have time set aside from that because you've got to be so locked in when you're there that it's going to be more about mental prep getting up for a game getting hyped for a game when there's going to be no fans you can't feed off of that energy so all of that stuff's really going to come into play in a big aspect of it and this is something the pelicans have been working on all throughout the shutdown so far. So they feel pretty confident that their preparation on the mental side of things is going to lead to a lot of success with the easier schedule that they have.
2: I think that's a great, uh, I suppose, quote, that the mental aspect is going to be a huge factor in this. This is unprecedented. What do you look at throughout history to be able to replicate, to be able to do it? Nothing. I think it is completely uncharted territory. And I think that's a great... Um, Uh, mentality I guess to use the word in the definition Um, (laughs) as I suppose the mental wellness and and looking after that because all of these guys are going to come out rusty regardless of how much training you're going to have it's not the same as having a full off season, full and then full season we're not going to see heading into playoff basketball I think in eight games I think it's going to be a little bit further down the line if it does get back to that uh, that elite level this this season
0: yeah, no, absolutely. Like, you're going to see some t- – like, you're going to have a game where a team shoots, like, 15% from three just because it's so weird. They don't have their legs under them for whatever reason. You know, there, there's no home court advantage for anybody. And that the biggest thing is, you know, uh, when you're playing in the season, sleeping in your own bed, having a regular routine when you're at home, not living out of a hotel. Well, they're all living out of hotels. So these are essentially almost all road games for every team at all times during this, which is a really weird thing. Something that Alvin Gentry even talked about was, what happens if things aren't going your way in a game? And you can kind of sometimes feed off the crowd at home to get you back into it. They start cheering you when you're down. You feed off of that energy. Where do you get that from in a game in this situation? The pumped-in crowd noise is not going to have the same effect. Not seeing the people standing yelling for you. That all matters. And he pointed to the bench. And this is where teams with really good team chemistry that are really bonded together, that have a lot of fun together, a team like the Pelicans are going to have an advantage because it's going to really be on your guys on the bench. The guys sitting down, not in a game, to cheer you on and get you back into this. And the Pelicans have great team chemistry. They all hang out together and have a lot of fun with each other. And I think that gives them an advantage in all of this because you're going to need that bench to really come through for you just with, you know, whipping the towels around over their heads and just screaming on the sidelines.
2: It's going to be almost pickup up basketball-esque. I know uh, back towards the end of the, uh, the Australian NBL season, we had our finals uh, games that were played with no crowds. And my team, the Perth Wildcats usually have a unrelenting, uh, I suppose, home court advantage in the in the RAC arena in Perth. But we played here and no crowds. We had the cheerleaders were there. And there was a few, uh, I suppose, staff. But otherwise, the crowd just wasn't there. And our guys got absolutely hosed. And it's just un, unheard of. You know, that crowd factor and that hype. And you hit a big shot and you can feel the crowd surge with you. And all of a sudden, the momentum's with you again. That is going to be very, very hard to draw on. And I think that could be a key factor in in anyone's success
0: yeah absolutely look we don't know how this is going to go we don't know what like the game day experience is going to be like it's going to be weird for fans too watching this on tv and it's kind of oddly quiet in there you know this which i guess gives the nba a chance to really experiment and maybe do something different new which i think could be good because you should but yeah i've got no idea how this is all going to play out
2: (laughs) yeah I, i it's crazy times uncertain times Uh, A photo came out today of Zion, today or yesterday, I think, uh, Zion Williamson. He's been in the gym, he had his mask on, bloke looks absolutely jacked. Is this just the beginning? Is those 19 games just a little taster? And is this a hiatus, resumption, uh, whatever bubble thing? Uh, Is this just going to be a testament to his, uh, I suppose, budding career? I, I mean, I'm excited to see this guy.
0: Yeah, he... He looks good. That picture that came out of him wearing the mask where he looks just unbelievably fit. And this was a big question. There's questions about his weight going into the season after the injury. And then there were going to be questions of, like, is he going to be in shape going into the bubble or has he just been sitting down the whole time? Well, the answer to that question is straight up that picture where he looks like a damn superhero in that. But he spoke to the media the other day, too, and he had said he was on the court working out every single day. He was also allowed to go into the team's facility, to rehab the injury that he has and work with the trainers. I don't think he was allowed the on-court work in there, but he was allowed to be in the team facility. They worked on a lot of like the pliability, the stretching. They were working on kind of refining his running mechanics, making it so he doesn't kind of like waddle down the court like a really fast penguin or something, which he kind of looked like. And so if he can work out a lot of those like fundamental mechanical things about him, it unlocks him and unleashes him even more. And then he was able to spend time on the court with his stepdad who he uses as a trainer to kind of get some of the basketball work in. If you look at some of the the limited video here and like we're pouring over this film, like it's, you know, the is film and all of that, which is a little too much for us to do just yet. It's like 15 seconds of a clip. His shot looks a little bit better. Josh Hart said his shot looks a little bit better right now. So he has taken advantage of this shutdown, used it like an off season and now he's gonna get another partial off season that's a really good thing, and that should terrify, absolutely terrify the rest of the league.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'm stoked to see what he looked like. When I saw that photo, I just went, oh, they're in trouble. Um, <laughs> he, he looks phenomenal, and, and especially if you can keep that core together of, of Lonzo, of BI, you get Zion. All these young guys can grow together we might blitz some teams coming. I mean, I might be getting a bit overhyped, but there should be some, some games where they just look absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yeah. And look, David Griffin talked about both those guys too, saying they, they want Ingram back. They want ball back. Both of those guys, more importantly, want to be back now that it matters because they are re- restricted free agents. And look, Someone is going to offer Brandon Ingram a max contract. Is it just going to be the Pelicans, or is it going to be another team and then the Pelicans match it? He's back next year on a max deal. I have no doubt about that. So it looks like this core is going to be coming together, and they were building some good chemistry on the court. You know, all of those three-quarter length alley-oops that Lonzo Ball threw Zion Williamson, those are unreal and only something you develop by playing together together kind of building on that team chemistry and they really have that and now you get to do it in a pressure-filled environment for eight games I have pretty high hopes for seeing this team kind of grow before our eyes and living up to all that hype that you were just talking about.
2: I think we can't discount the veteran presence as well especially coming back into this bubble guys like Derek Favors, JJ, uh, Riddick and Drew Holiday all of these guys are going to be key in making sure these guys stay level-headed and, and I suppose don't get caught up in it all I think it's going to be overwhelming. These guys, I think, as a spectator, we forget that these guys are 18, 19, 20 years old. And, and this is a huge moment away from family. And I think, how important do you think the veteran presence will be?
0: I mean, there's a reason they went after J.J. Redick on the opening night of free agency last season. There's a reason they went after a guy like Derek Favors making $22 million. That's a lot of money. And they gave up two second round picks for him. It's given up something for him. For a guy that, you know, the Utah Jazz just were like willing to get rid of and maybe another team could have gotten for less, but they overpaid, maybe not overpaid, but they bid a lot for him because they really believed in the value of those two guys like that and the veteran presence that they provide. This is a very young team. The average age is under 26. A guy like J.J. Redick who's made the playoffs every year of his career and has a lot of success, any wisdom he can impart on these young guys, how to be a consummate professional, That's important. How many guys do you see in every sport flame out of the league that they're in? Because they made a lot of money. They want to go and party. They don't take it seriously. And you don't need to really worry about it with a guy like Derek Favors and all the preparation he has. J.J. Redick and the shooting routine he goes through before every single game. All of that stuff and teaching these young guys how to do it and to impart that wisdom on them and teach them how to be professionals. What it takes to win at the highest level that's a wonderful thing to have. And those guys are hugely important.
2: Absolutely. It builds that whole team chemistry. I've spoken to a few other guys throughout the, the journey and they talk about that we really have a roster from number one right down to, I suppose, 15 that are all NBA talents. There's, I don't think there's many teams that are like that. I think a few people might have a, a few bench guys that maybe are fringe players, but I just don't see that. I think the Pelicans are just so deep and that is going to be critical in this.
0: Yeah, you know, um, Alvin Gentry said you're not going to be playing guys 40 minutes per game. I don't even know if you'll really see guys for the first handful of games playing 30 minutes uh, unless they feel really confident in that, which means you're going to need to go to your bench and those guys towards the end are going to need to step up. And you're right, they do have some very established guys that are just solid NBA players. They might not be spectacular, but you need guys like that if you want to win. one Moore is a really good example of it. You know, his numbers don't jump out at you, but he can – he started, you know, multiple positions for the Pelicans, can play out of position in a pinch if you need him to. He started at small forward all of last season, essentially. He can hit shots for you. And Drew Holiday said it this year, when Etuan plays, we win. They love a guy like that. And the presence that he has just knows what to come in and do, won't make mistakes – might not necessarily win the game for you, but can hold things down and prevent other teams from getting away from the Pelicans when he's out there on the court till the starters can kind of come back in and close the game out. Having a guy like that is unbelievably important, I think.
2: Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, This season, we'll go, we'll go right back. We're going to go down through the history books, I guess. And start of the season, huge hype. I guess we lose AD in the off season with, with the big, I suppose, uh, Detriment. Everyone's going. Oh, what are we going to do now? There was all that turmoil at the end of last season. Land number one draft beat. We get Zion. We've basically rebuilt from the top down. Huge off season. What were your expectations going into this season? Did you have any? Did you think we'd be in this position at all, like despite the you, pandemic? I suppose. And <laughs> pushing for a I
0: I forget how exactly how long the losing streak was. Thirteen games, fourteen games, yeah. something like that. That the Pelicans had. Once they hit that, I thought there was no chance of the playoffs. I thought at that point you kind of shift your season objectives to improving. Can you maybe kind of get into fringe playoff contention? Can you at least maybe do a youth movement, start playing guys more minutes like Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and just use this as like almost an extended uh, training camp for the team? So the fact that they've managed to turn it around like this and get into contention and have what maybe a greater than 50-50 shot of getting into the playoffs – uh, I think that could be fair to say that you can argue that is an unbelievably impressive job for this team, and everyone should be really proud of what they've done. And this fits the season's objective goals that David Griffin laid out. He said they wanted to be playing meaningful games in March and April. They're just now going to be playing meaningful games in July and August, and maybe, you know, hopefully September, October, if it goes on that far. But you kind of look at this season and go, uh, you know, all things considered, the good with the bad here in here, too, that it's probably been a success. You know, I thought at the start of the year, if everyone is healthy, yeah, I think they're better than the seventh or the eighth seed, maybe fighting for five, six. I don't think they were going to get home court advantage in the first round. But then when you factor in that there was a lot of roster turnover this past offseason, I think they only had five guys carry over, seven guys carry over from the season before. And you're introducing a lot of youth. Things are bound to go wrong. And then you factor in injuries. Like Derek Favors wasn't healthy for the first part of the year. Lonzo Ball didn't have his legs under him until closer to the All-Star break, I think. And, yeah, uh, you know, the best case scenario, everyone's healthy, things go well, they'll they'll fight for it. But then you look at it, and that's just not realistic and not how it's going to go in the NBA. So all things considered, I'm pretty happy about this. But we can see it. The talent is there for them to be better than what their record indicates, I think.
2: Yeah, and like you see, you hit the nail on the head. With the roster turnover, you've got five guys that have been there before. Everyone else has come in. You've got them from all over. They've got to learn a new system. They've got to learn um, what it's like to live in New Orleans. It's a huge adjustment. You know, I think that's discounted as well, is that these people have moved from wherever they've been the last few years to a completely different city. New Orleans is its own beast in itself. (laughs) So getting around there, you know, um, that was
0: big for Derek Favors. He, he really struggled adjusting uh, the first couple months of his time here. You know, basically been with the Jazz his whole career for 10, 11 years after being traded his rookie year. And he'd never known anything other than that. So coming here to a new coaching staff, a new organization, they do things differently than what you're used to. It really takes time to adjust to that. There was one point he hated it here. And then once you get through that adjustment period, you start to play some pretty good basketball and you start to like it, which is what the case is now. So I think that's a very underrated point of all that turnover, people coming into a new environment. It's going to lead to some struggles in the beginning.
2: Absolutely. And, and then we saw Derek Faber's value on the court. He was just an absolute anchor. I mean, I have had the luxury during all this hiatus to go back and watch a, a fair few of the uh, the old games, NBA live or league pass, whatever it is was, Letting, um, letting us all watch it for free, so that was even better. Um, so I was sitting there and you have a look when he's on the court, it just calms down. The guys just seem to play better. He can either be uh, you can throw it to the through throw, throw it to him on the offensive end and then he also locks down on the D. And I think that was a very underrated thing. When we didn't have him you had guys like Jackson Hayes and Jalil Okafor, who are good basketballers but are a bit younger and, and just maybe not as polished. Um you could see that level-headedness when he came back on the floor, Derek.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. He, he was a key guy. You know, I think Zion can play the five long-term, really do, but he wasn't ready for that sort of thing right now. So you can't throw him into that role. You needed a veteran center just to kind of hold it down. Derek Favors had also done a very good job in limited action with the Utah Jazz playing in transition. His transition numbers on a per-play basis were outstanding. I think the Pelicans looked at him as a guy that they could really fit in and kind of unlock some hidden offensive potential in him too. But you also mentioned Jackson Hayes, who was thrust into action far earlier than anyone predicted for him. It was supposed to be a redshirt year for him. That's what David Griffin had said. He was supposed to spend most of his time in the G League, not playing big NBA minutes. And then all of a sudden, this guy's getting 25 minutes a game when he really only started playing, you know, organized basketball what his junior year of high school he was a wide receiver before that guy has been playing basketball for three four years and now all of a sudden you're playing you know serious basketball for three or four years Now you're playing 25 minutes in the NBA he did a very good job but he's not ready for that and you're not going to have the same team success with that guy doing it versus a guy like Derek Favors.
2: Jackson Hayes though he is going to be exciting when he gets oh, oh yes. my lord I saw um Oh, what game was I watching? It was one of the early ones, I think, game five or game six. And he came on for a few spot minutes. And he just spanked the ball out of bounds in a in a huge block. And I said, if that is just the tip of the iceberg, this guy is going to be pretty darn good.
0: Oh, no, he, he's going to be so much fun to watch. You know, Zion is an unbelievable dunker. And then you've got a guy like that who can just kind of put these putbacks down like no one we've ever seen. Remember that one where... I forget who missed the shot. Maybe it was Redick. And then he comes flying in to put it back. And then Redick's basically on the floor in uh, in disbelief about what just happened. And frankly, it looks like he'll be able to develop a jump shot, which is going to be really important. I don't think he needs, you know, tremendous three-point range. But anything to kind of spread the court when he's out there with Zion is going to be a good thing. But I'm kind of a high flyer like that. You know, he's been a decent passer at times. He shows off some minor playmaking ability, I think. A 4-5 pick-and-roll with him and Zion eventually is going to be really, really fun.
2: He's just going to throw the ball up somewhere near the backboard. One of those guys are going to get a hold of it. It's going to be great. Uh, you see, I can just imagine seeing Lonzo get to the half court and just lob it up there. He's oh, someone go and get it. <laughs> We're getting two points out of this. Um, Lonzo, another guy that the first half of the season, like you said, legs weren't under him. It was obvious. People going, oh, what's going on here? He didn't seem to get healthy. I don't know if he was unhealthy in the beginning, but he got his legs under him. a shot started falling. He was playing like a top five point guard in the league almost. Phenomenal.
0: Yeah, he, he's an interesting case because he's got a, an interesting free agency coming up. And look, he struggled to start with the Pelicans, and he is very good at what he does, but there are some very clear limits to his game. Um, he's great in transition, and that is where he truly excels, making the right pass. Finding those lob opportunities and kind of creating those. But in the half court, he does struggle, and that's where it can hurt New Orleans. Now they want to play in transition a ton. So his, I think, weaknesses are minimized in the system and in another on another team could be highlighted a little bit more. He has, he's not great in the pick and roll, turns the ball over far too much in there, and he really lacks any aggression going to the rim, which is because he's scared to go to the free throw line. This is a guy who's shooting 57% from the, uh, the charity stripe here. It's not good. It makes him not want to drive, not want to attack, and that limits what he can do in the half court. But he also improved in terms of his three-point shooting. If I told you Lonzo Ball took six, six and a half threes per game two years ago, you'd be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Except he's making his three-point shot at 38% that is more than respectable in the league and made him a credible threat this season. So his free agency, I think, is going to be really interesting because he's arguably more valuable to the Pelicans and the style of basketball that they play than any other team out there. So is another team going to come in and overpay for him or the Pelicans going to have kind of a prolonged negotiation period where he thinks his value is higher because look what he does to New Orleans. But the market doesn't really say that because on other teams, if they realize that, he's probably worth less. So he's very good at what he does, and his value is maximized on New Orleans for the transition opportunities, playing with a big like Zion Williamson and some of these other guys. But his weaknesses are minimized too. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they use him going forward, and I'm a little bit worried about him in the bubble in terms of play because if all of these guys aren't in as great of game shape as they could be and you're not running in transition as much as you might and you're playing a slower game, a more half-court-based game, is he going to struggle? Or is he able to turn the corner here and use these eight games to really highlight that he's an improving player and he's only going to get better in every phase of the game?
2: Well, fingers crossed. He keeps improving. I think you, yeah, you spot on. Um, he fits into the Alvin Gentry run and gun sort of system to a T I, I agree that half court, it, it seems like he's a little bit trying to work out what's going on and um, maybe overusing the ball. And if he's not going to drive, all of a sudden guys like JJ Reddick and Josh Hart and guys that spread the floor are just negated because they're not getting these open looks. Well, B.I. as well somehow developed a three-point shot overnight, which we are pretty happy with as well. Um, that confidence from B.I., phenomenal as well. Another guy that um, took that next leap and looks like a, a Kevin Durant lice and hopefully he keeps heading that way.
0: Uh, That's what I was going to say. This guy has so many shades of Kevin Durant in his game. Uh, Kevin Durant light is a great way to describe him. He's a stud. Like, there's no other way to put it. This guy's averaging almost 25 points per game at one point this season for New Orleans. He can rebound well enough, the three-point shot and stretching it out. And if you look at his shot chart, it is very different from what it was a season ago. He's shooting 39% from three, close to 40%. Like, this is a guy – who is a credible threat to score wherever he gets the ball. His mid-range game is good, too. I know, you know, in terms of analytics, you don't like that long mid-range shot. When you have a guy who hits it close to 50%, you like that shot. Ingram can do that. He is a credible threat to score anywhere on the court, and it's been wonderful to see. It's also been really nice to see him kind of grow into that alpha guy, the go-to guy, originally in the absence of Zion Williamson, but even sometimes they're with him out there of, like, you need a bucket, this guy's going to go and get it for you oh, they're playing the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell's going off and you need someone to keep pace? Brandon Ingram's the guy. And that big win over the Jazz in New Orleans, he had 49 points, the game-tying shot that sent it to overtime over Rudy Gobert. That's awesome. That's the type of leader on the court you want him to grow into, the guy that's going to go out and win you games. And he's he's blossomed into that. And adding a three-point shot, being a credible scorer all around, you know, there's a reason he's an all-star. There's a reason he's going to be in contention for most improved player. And there's a reason he's going to get a max contract this offseason.
2: Absolutely. And you can see that confidence. I guess environment is everything. You know, he's come from the Lakers. He had LeBron and he had these guys. That all the championship contention is sitting there. Then they have the AD rumors at um, at the trade deadline. It's like, oh, we're getting rid of all of you. We're trying to get AD. That couldn't have been good for your confidence. You're sitting there as a 20-year-old bloke going, Come on, I'm actually a number two draft pick myself. I'm, I'm pretty handy. If you put your, your faith in me, maybe I could develop into it. I think it's paying off in spades for us down here.
0: Yeah, look, you know, on last season with the Lakers, when LeBron was out for that stretch and he kind of took over, he looked really good. And you can see, like, this guy is a guy who should be, like, the number one option on a team. And I like that because it also means Zion didn't step into as pressure-filled the situation when he returned. You had Ingram. Give Ingram the ball if Zion's having a bad game. It's not all on Zion's shoulders, and that allows him to come along a little bit slower, which I think is a good thing for some of these younger guys. So I think it's awesome that he's, he'd shown flashes of it before, and then you kind of trust him. And, you know, sometimes it just takes that vote of confidence, a trust from a coach, to really unlock the best set of a player, and you're seeing it with Brandon Ingram. The other thing is, you know, he's a very good playmaker. He has been excellent passing the ball this season. He's averaging over four assists per game, and you can see it. You can run some point-forward offense with him where you run it through him, and when teams try and throw a double-team at him, it's great because he's going to make the right read. That's one thing I'd always wished Anthony Davis could have developed was that passing ability, and he he showed flashes of it, but he was getting double and triple-teamed all the time, and he just couldn't make the right pass, and it would lead to a turnover. Ingram, you don't need to worry about that. When he's cooking, if teams really try and take him out of the game and send two guys at him, okay, he's going to get the ball to the guy that's open, and that's going to create for others. So it's not just his scoring ability, but what he does for his teammates too. It
2: looks like it was something like his core strength or something that he's improved, that ability to go to the bucket and then even alter his shot in, in the air. And that's something that I hadn't seen from him before, that confidence that, okay, I've actually leapt up already. I need to bail out and still find the right read. That's tough to do at any level, let alone a guy that's, yeah, 24 or, or, or even younger. And, yeah, I, I just am the biggest BI fan. If you ever listen to any of the things, I'm pumping him up um,
0: <laughs> all the time. Well, it I just sounds like he's totally going to be small. here for a really, really long time. So everyone should be big BI fans right now.
2: Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, we had another young guy, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, up and down season uh, from a rookie, his cousin is Shy Gildish Alexander from the Thunder. If he turns into even Shades of Shy, we'd be pretty happy with that. That guy is um, the same build. Uh, and if you can get that confidence, I heard uh, rumblings that he follows JJ around a bit and has been a bit like a sponge learning from him. Um, what's the, well, I suppose, what's the floor of Nikhil? Do you think he could be a, a pretty good player?
0: Yeah, he, he's definitely a rotation player, I think. You know, I think after an unbelievable summer league where we were so high on him, you know, he made the all-summer league team that he kind of crashed down a little bit back to earth in the NBA this season, which is to be expected. Like, you know, how often is the 17th overall pick in the draft making a massive impact for a team in year one? It takes these guys three years or so uh, to be, you know, quality NBA players. He's got the confidence, which I think is really big. The shooting we know can be there. His stroke's good. His form's good. That'll fall with just time and repetition in the NBA. And, you know, when you're on a team that's trying to be in playoff contention, you're going to get minutes one night. You're not going to get minutes the other night. You're going to get minutes again. Then you're going to go a stretch without him. It can be tough to kind of get in a rhythm, which is what you really need as a rookie. So there's a reason he went down to the G League a bunch, got some more time there, some playing time uh, to try and work through that till kind of injury kind of derailed all of that, um, where he fractured his wrist. But, the scoring's there, like that's the guy who can kind of be a bit of a spark plug off the bench for you, uh, you know, early on in his career. I think maybe before he potentially grows into a starter, the three-point shot's going to be really important. If you can hit that, you'll, you, you know, you'll be around the league. He can be a high flyer. He's aggressive. He's more aggressive than Lonzo Ball is at times when he's out there on the court on a permanent basis. He's not scared to drive to the rim. He can finish with his left or right hand too, which I think is going to be a really big advantage for him that. Uh, is going to lead to a lot of success earlier for him since he doesn't have just kind of one or two go-to moves. He can go to the left, he can go to the right, and he can finish either way depending on what the defense gives him. Those are really good things. That's kind of the role I see him is in right now, a shooter, a scorer, you need some points off the bench. Um, That's a great guy to have right now, and give him time and some development, and we'll see what he can grow into.
1: Muse myself.
2: I'll eat it that bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jake, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Before I let you go, I just want to get your your key. I suppose cast your mind into the future. What are we looking at in this in this bubble? What are the what are the hopes for the Pelicans? What do you think is going to happen?
0: Uh, I think they get into the playoffs, you know, over these eight games, I'm looking at a six and two record, maybe, maybe seven and one, like, you know, they've beaten the Kings. It was, it was close, but they're, I think they're better than that team. That's probably the biggest threat for them in that eighth, ninth spot battle. You know, they only need to get ninth to get into that two game, then playoff with the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that's an advantage there. I'm not worried about Portland with a, tough, a tougher record like that. Noah Rees is actually going to be kind of key for them too on the wing where they're pretty thin without a guy like that. I don't trust Melo in this uh, at all, really. Um, so I think they can get in. I think it might be as the night spot, and then you've got to beat the Memphis Grizzlies, what would then end up being five times in a row this season going 5-0. and oh. That's tough. I think they're much better than that Grizzlies team though, and we've seen them, you know, the two meetings they had, they basically blew the socks off on them both times. So I feel confident they're going to get in as the eighth seed, and they're going to end up with a date with the Los Angeles Lakers and Anthony Davis in the first round. Might not do well in that series, but that's a lot of fun. That puts a lot of pressure on these young guys to really rise to the occasion. And if they do, even if you get swept in the first round, but you rise up to that moment, that's a sign of growth for this team and is going to put the league on notice that this is the team to watch going forward.
2: Jay, that's summed it up perfectly. (laughs) Thanks again for, um, for joining us. Where can we find you? Twitter, uh, Instagram, are you out and about?
0: So not on Instagram, but on Twitter, you can find me at Nola Jake. I host the Locked On Pelicans podcast, which normally is Monday, Wednesday, Monday through Friday. We're now Monday, Wednesday, Friday, wherever you get your podcast from, just search Locked On Pelicans. So, We're going to be breaking down everything going into the bubble already doing it. have some great guests lined up on the show too. So it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm excited to get some basketball back.
2: Oh, Phenomenal. Thanks again for having us guys. Make sure you head over there and and have a listen to Locked on Pelicans. Very, very excited. So grateful that you're on here. And and Jake, thanks again for for spending some time with us.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me on and talking to basketball.
2: It's been good. Cheers. Guys, I had a great time chatting with Jake the other day about the NBA resumption. Go and check out Locked On Pelicans. He is a phenomenal talent and a wealth of knowledge on the Pelicans. So make sure you go and do that, guys. As always, go and support our sponsors, Manscape.com. Use the code Hoopball20 for 20% off and also free shipping. There's plenty of awesome gadgets that you can get over there in terms of shavers and accessories. So make sure you go and jump on and support those guys, the guys that support us. Um, as always, I'm Lyle Swithenbank at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter, at HoopballPels for the show and I think I'll leave you with that. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.